everybody. Just want to thank you for tuning in to Convos with Anita Santiago podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can reach me at Convos, C-O-N-V-O-S-C-W-S at gmail.com. If you'd like to reach out and send me an email, COVID has changed so much of our lives. Um, the pandemic came in and turned our lives upside down. We went from being able to freely go wherever we wanted to go to all of a sudden lockdowns and masks and social distancing and things that made connecting with other people is very, very challenging. So all of a sudden we're doing virtual doctor's appointments, virtual mental health appointments. We're doing school online. We're working fully remotely. We can't go anywhere. We can't gather anywhere. The movie theaters are closed. Skating rinks are closed. Uh, stores have limited hours. It was really quite an experience. And the result of this COVID experience has been that we're more socially isolated probably than we've been in a long time. So let's talk about social isolation. What is social isolation? Well, social social isolation is when we have little to no social contacts um, and, and or we don't interact with people regularly. So it doesn't mean that you it doesn't always have to be that you have no contact. It could be that you have very, very limited contact and then that's not on a regular basis. So um, the COVID pandemic has really amplified social isolation um, as people seek to put distance between them and other people, rightfully so, because nobody wants to really be sick. And now with other things on the horizon, um, this illness and that illness, it's flu season, kids are having colds, you know, we just want to be careful. Um, and so we tend to isolate. The problem with social isolation is that when the social isolation increases, people can um, experience frequent loneliness due to the lack of social contact. So it can be um, very daunting to be in this pandemic you socially isolated and now there's this loneliness because you don't have your friends to hang out with or you don't have family that you go around or you don't allow people in your home just due to the fact that you want to be safe so social isolation can often lead to um, frequent loneliness for people so I came across some interesting statistics on social social isolation and um, loneliness that I want to share with you. So one poll that I looked at that's very recent, 2020, um, it's from the National Poll on Healthy Aging, and it was a survey of adults from the ages of 50 to 80 years old. So the, the participants in this study um, basically reported increased um, feelings of um, not having companionship in their lives, uh, increased feelings of being isolated from others, and much less frequent social contact um, after the pandemic when compared to before the pandemic. So what that's all saying is that the participants in this study 
indicated that they were having increases in not being able to feel like they have companionship, being isolated and um, less social contact after the pandemic than before the pandemic. So the age group 50 to 80 includes the fastest growing age group in the United States. So according to the U.S. Census Bureau, the baby boomers, those individuals that are 65 years and older, are the fastest growing group in the U.S. This population, 65 and over, the baby boomers, has seen really significant growth since 2010. And pretty soon we will have more people over the age of 65 than we'll have under the age of 65. Well, that's pretty important in light of the poll I just mentioned that surveyed adults 50 to 80 years old. We know that if people are feeling isolated and having less frequent social contact, and they're also growing into the largest group in our population, then that's problematic. And we need to make sure that um, that we're paying attention to that because those the people in that group are going to need social support and help at some point to deal with that. I looked at another study that kind of focused on young people more than the older baby boomers. This was a study out of making caring common project um, in the and uh, out of Harvard you uh, know University Harvard Graduate School. So this particular um, data revealed that 61% of young people aged 18 to 25 reported feeling frequent loneliness um, and sometimes most of the time every day. That is pretty startling. That is a pretty startling statistic. 61% of, of young people surveyed um, in this in this report reported feeling loneliness and sometimes it was so frequent that they felt this way almost all the time every day and I, th- I was kind of surprised at that because I thought you know with younger people um, maybe growing up with more electronics um, being used to the virtual environment social media I was kind of surprised to see that um, loneliness had impacted them in that way. Um, Also in this um, study or this paper that was published by Harvard, it also mentioned that mothers with young children also experienced frequent frequent loneliness at about 51%. So as we... Uh, continue to experience the impacts of COVID and we experience, we continue to see the effects of things like social distancing. What we see is that younger people and older people are struggling with the same types of social isolation and loneliness issues. And um, that's pretty stark. And I remember when there was a lot of controversy about remote school and children attending class remotely and how they didn't have that peer-to-peer interaction which is so important in child development 
And there was a lot of concern as to whether children would get the type of social interaction and support and feedback that they need to be developmentally on target. And now we're seeing that um, there are some really big impacts from COVID. There's some really big impacts from the steps that we had to take to protect ourselves and be okay. And that is a significant problem um, today in our communities. Now, I want to make this distinction that loneliness is a little different from social isolation. So these are two different issues or topics. Social isolation happens when you have little to no regular social contact. And loneliness is more of an emotion of feeling a perception of being disconnected from others. So you can actually be lonely without being socially isolated. And there's an old saying that says um, the loneliest place is in a room full of people. And that's what that speaks to, because you can be lonely and be surrounded by people because loneliness is a feeling or a perception that you're not connected Whereas isolation is a physical experience where you are not having contact, contact with others in a social setting. So like I said, the second study that, um, that talked about young people was pretty startling because I just really, really didn't think of young people struggling with social isolation. And, and for children, Social contact and peer contact is important for development, but for adolescents and young adults, that social interaction and peer um, interaction is also important for developing and maintaining healthy relationships. So even though young people have had the experience of the virtual environment and social media and pretty much growing up with uh, electronic devices in their hands, I think this highlights the fact that we should be very attentive to the people in our lives because social, social isolation seems to be impacting many, many people. So this social isolation issue is different from what a lot of us know as the old school or, or how things were back in the day where you walked to school, um, neighbors looked out for you, you knew your neighbors, you had relationships with extended family members. A lot of times families lived, if they didn't live within the same neighborhood um, or the same housing complex, they lived within a short drive or short walk of each other. There was much more community. You, you knew who your police officers were. You knew who your teachers were. You, know, you knew the families that lived on the right and the left of you, not just the homeowner, but you knew the kids and all the people that came to visit because there was just such a sense of community. And as technology has evolved and uh, lifestyles have changed and, you know, job locations have changed and demands on people have changed, we um, find ourselves in situations where we don't know our extended family. We don't know our neighbors. We don't know people in our uh, community. We don't really know the police officers that patrol our area. 
Um, We may or may not live in an area that we have any social support. So this is how social social isolation can happen. Um, This lack of knowing each other, this lack of getting to know each other. Um, There are some other ways that social isolation can happen that that are not related to the pandemic. So the pandemic would be one way that social isolation happens because we choose it. We choose to restrict access to ourselves for the purpose of staying safe. And there is nothing wrong with that. Um, I mean, this coronavirus and the variations of it have been highly contagious and people have gotten sick. We've lost a lot of people. So um, restricting access to yourself is not um, not a bad thing. Location, geographic location can be a way that social isolation happens. Um, If you work in a community that's outside of a major city, you don't have transportation options or it's a very small town. Uh, If you've ever driven through the United States um, on a highway, there are many, many small towns that have um, um, that don't have a lot of people. So instead of a, a city like New York with millions and millions of people, you may live in a community of hundreds of people. And you may live in a community where it's hard to get around or there's not a lot of social activities. So that can lead to social isolation as well. The loss of family members and friends. Um, My mother has outlived many of her friends, a few of her doctors, a lot of her colleagues. Um, As we get older, we lose more and more friends. We lose more and more family. And sometimes for some of us, we've lost so many people around us that we find ourselves isolated. And that can be very, not only traumatic, but um, um, very hard to deal with uh, if you're in that situation where you've lost a ton of friends and a ton of family, and then you're not replacing those relationships um, in your life. And then sometimes um, social social isolation can happen because of mental health issues. Um, a person may be diagnosed with a mental health issue and they, ch- they just choose to self-isolate because maybe they feel like people don't get them, they don't feel comfortable, they don't feel safe, or it's just easier for them to be by themselves and not have to answer questions or deal with the stigma or the labels that come along with a mental health diagnosis. So that's another way that social isolation can can happen. Now, this isn't the definitive list of how we find ourselves isolated, but, but these are some big ones and um, show that becoming social, socially isolated is not... Um, not something that happens um, that takes a long time to happen or it it doesn't have to be something traumatic in your life that leads to social isolation it can be very very small or routine or repetitive things and a person can find themselves in that space so this whole concept of social isolation had me thinking and and I was doing some reading and I came across a story out of uh, the out of the UK out of London it was about a woman um, she was from South Africa originally but had been living in London with her mom for some time 
She died in, in 2019, but her body wasn't found until 2022. So she laid in an apartment from 2019 to 2022. This woman had a full-time job from the from the article that I read. Um, she was a medical secretary and she went to work every day. She took public transportation, it, it seemed like, from the article. Um, she didn't have a lot of family in the UK and it was unclear if she had any friends or other types of social support. But the article said that, you know, neighbors had reported a smell coming from the from the complex um, that that maybe the mail hadn't been picked up. There were some indications that something was wrong and it's not clear um, why that wasn't followed up before 2022. Those, those questions seem to be um, unanswered. But what I thought was, is no one missed this woman? No one missed seeing her every day? No one was concerned um, that maybe she hadn't shown up to work. No one was concerned that um, if they normally saw her out and about, that they hadn't seen her. And it, it just was a really shocking thing to me that a person could go three years, not be seen or heard from, and people aren't raising a ruckus. And I think that this kind of story, and, and when I dug a little deeper, this story was out of the UK, but there have been uh, several instances um, in the United States even where someone has gone missing or um, something has happened to them and they weren't found or it wasn't solved for many, many, many years later. So I think that story is a powerful metaphor of how disconnected and detached that sometimes we can be. I'm not saying that every community everywhere is disconnected. That's definitely not true. But I think overall, as we look at how life has changed from like the early 1900s to now, there's definitely not that sense of community that used to be present. And it's almost like we be we there's not just disconnection and um, lack of social interaction, but there's also like a, a where we've depersonalized. It's not personal anymore. So when you used to know your neighbors and your police officers and the people in the neighborhood, which was a Sesame Street song, who are the people in your neighborhood? And when we were young, we knew the people in our neighborhood. We, we knew their names. We knew where they were and what they did and how long they had been there. Um, and that made it personal. It, it made you feel like you were rooted or grounded in that community. But when the fabric starts to unravel and we become depersonalized, we're just another person, another number, another latte, another... Um, value meal, another customer, just someone passing through and that that personalization or that thing that makes our connections personal seems to be diminishing. 
And and like I said, this story was just really indicative of how things like loneliness, isolation, lack of social support, and um, not belonging to a community or not having extended family around you, how what the impact of that could be. And I think we we should challenge ourselves. This is a point by understanding that social isolation is something that many, many people deal with. Maybe as as people who care about our community, care about our families and our friends, maybe we need to be a little bit more proactive in reducing um, the social social isolation. Maybe we need to be a little bit more proactive and paying attention to when we don't see people or noticing when people aren't around. Maybe we should be a little bit more proactive about ensuring that if a person matters to us, that we take steps to show that we're thinking about them or that we care whether or not we see them or hear from them. Um, The hustle and bustle of everyday life, work, school, Um, activities the days can fly by pretty fast and the next thing you know it's been a week a month a year before you've talked to someone but if you really care about that person and they're part of your community challenge yourself to be a little bit more proactive in in helping to reduce the social isolation and loneliness so how can we how can we do that besides picking up the phone and calling well If you have someone in your community or your family or your friend group and their social isolation is related to physical or mental health issues, um, physical health issues, they can't get out. It's too difficult to get out. They need special equipment to get out. Um, Like if I want to take my mom out, I have to get a special van because she's wheelchair bound. So that can prevent people from being able to be in environments where they can be social. Um, Talk to your medical providers. Talk to people around you. See how you might be able to help that individual build strategies to work through the challenges that are preventing them from having more social interaction. Maybe there's a way to bring family members or friends to that individual so they don't have to leave. Maybe um, you can get the special van that you need to transport somebody and take them out to lunch or take them out to dinner. Uh, Maybe it's just a matter of talking to people and seeing, you know, how you could be helpful. Maybe it's just picking up the phone and calling. Maybe it's a a FaceTime or video chat every once in a while. Um, when, When the lockdown happened, my mom's nursing home was shut down. And I was not used to not being able to see her. And one of the things I was really thankful for was that the nursing home did weekly video calls. So I got a chance to see her. She got a chance to see me. And it really helped with her being in a facility where she couldn't leave and she couldn't have visitors. So there are things we can do if that social isolation is related to physical or mental health. Um just maybe brainstorming and helping individuals to figure out 
how they can get a little bit more social contact and, and quality over quantity. You don't have to be the uh, person that incurred that says, okay, well, you need to go to every single event that's happening that month. No. Um, the goal is to increase social contact as the person desires or can tolerate it. And that's an individual thing. There's no right or wrong way to to do uh, social events. Um, another thing we can do to address so social isolation is to when we're talking to people in our lives, we can encourage them to start small. And this is what I was just saying, quality over quantity. Small events or gatherings that are hosted by family and friends or comfortable environments or familiar environments, um, slowly helping that individual work towards feeling more comfortable and interacting in social settings um, and situations and being very careful not to overwhelm people with, well, all you need to do is, and I think you should do this and I think you should do that. I'm just saying, hey, you know, we're going to have two or three people meet up at um, the coffee shop. You know, maybe you can just sit and listen and give a person an opportunity to get back in the swing of things. I think after the pandemic, many, many people had that feeling of, man, I've been isolated so long. I really need to get back in the swing of all the nuances that go with social interactions. But you can do that in a very small and incremental way so that's not overwhelming and it gives the person a chance to build that level of comfort and um, skill set to get back into the swing of things now this one might sound a little bit unusual but I think it's a really powerful idea and that is to try a pet there have been so many organizations um, nursing homes, children homes, veterans organizations that have found that animals can play a huge role in addressing social isolation and loneliness. Um, horses, um, cats, dogs, fish um, are just a few examples of of animals that can can be helpful. Um, if the person would like to have a pet, maybe trying a pet. But if the person doesn't feel comfortable having a pet or maybe financially it's not doable, maybe finding one of these organizations, especially if you're dealing with someone that's elderly or a veteran, um, maybe finding an organization that will bring that pet to them on a schedule and um and, and allow them to have that interaction. And it's, it's pretty amazing because it's, especially with some of the like the videos I've seen on YouTube and different things like that, there have been times where people have been struggling with many different things, not just social isolation, but many other challenges and introducing them to a pet and um, allowing them the space and room to get to know that animal and to interact with that animal on a on a on a long-term basis really did a lot to move that person forward so that might be an area um to try or that might be a thing to try is 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 work is bringing up introducing a pet into the mix and i would even say with children that would probably 
um, be a very helpful idea because again if a person is socially isolated and they're having problems interacting just the playfulness and the interaction with that pet could do volumes in moving them forward out of that type of isolation and loneliness pets are very helpful at helping people deal with loneliness especially the elderly or people who are otherwise restricted in contact so I think pets are a really good idea social social media might help Um, I mentioned earlier that when my mom um, was in the nursing home and she was on lockdown we did weekly video calls hey phone calls still work I know for some of you young people uh, (laughs) you may not talk on the telephone but some of us older people still talk on the phone Uh, phone calls are just a real simple way to connect and to check in with people you know how are you doing is there anything I can do for you and um, and and be encouraging because just the fact that you reached out um, and inquired and, and showed that you care could mean a lot to a person that's struggling that way so um, there are other social media like you know Facebook Instagram you can you can pop on and people you can people you can interact with people in a live video or other things like that now if you're socially isolated you're probably not going to be doing a live video but you know it might be something to try if you're looking for a really different way to break out of that pattern and the last um the last idea for kind of dealing with social isolation is group activities um Social clubs, specialty groups, community groups may be a really good way to increase social connections and interactions. So um, sites like meetup.com, Facebook, Eventbrite have a way that you can search and see what groups are doing things. Um, There are social clubs, there are, you know, game game groups and foreign language and book groups and online groups and support groups so there are a lot of different groups um, and you may find one that piques your interest and being a part of that group would allow you to uh, would allow an individual to increase their social interaction with other people in 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 maybe in an environment that's um, where they where you don't feel like the spotlight is on you because you're in a group of people. So group activities could be a really good way to address social isolation. And again, this would be done small and incrementally and, and with a group size that that person felt comfortable with. So social isolation and loneliness is something that many, many people are dealing with but they may not always come forth and talk about it. So if you have people that are around you, people that you care about, be proactive, reach out, check in on them, and see if you can be helpful in helping them deal with the social isolation and loneliness that they may be feeling. I want to thank you for tuning in to Convos with Anita Santiago podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also reach out to me at convos, C-O-N-V-O-S-C-W-S at gmail.com.